0: And greetings, brethren, all around the world. I hope all of you have had a wonderful feast. I certainly have, and I'm sure God is going to bless us all in the weeks to come. Thank you again for all your love and loyalty. But now, brethren, we will soon start back home. Again, we will be literally surrounded by this world and by problems, trials, and distractions. Some may even face hate and persecution as they return to unconverted families or neighbors. Remember, I have always tried to encourage you to keep your mind on the big picture. In this final sermon, brethren, I want to encourage you to focus on the biggest picture of all. As I was growing up in the hills of southwest Missouri, my friend Jimmy Mallett and I used to fly kites out into the skies. We looked out over the chat piles near our home, and as we looked up to the sky, we wondered, what is it all about? We looked at the clouds up at the sky. Is there a real purpose for our lives, we thought. We pondered these things together. We were very close during those years. As teenagers, we had long talks about these very questions. Then, as I've told you in the past, Jimmy Mallet sadly died in a wrestling accident, the very thing he and I did for so many hours together, wrestling out on the Bermuda grass like two little cubs rolling around. And I kept wondering why, What is it all about? Finally, God led me to come to Ambassador College in Pasadena because I wanted to really understand. I got to know there a very dedicated man named Herbert W. Armstrong. I got to know him very well. I spent hundreds of hours, actually thousands of hours with him. I slept in the same hotel suite, at times in the same hotel room with him, talked with him by the hour, His younger son, Ted, was off in the Navy. Dick Armstrong was often gone on his trips to Europe. And Mr. Armstrong kind of adopted me in a sense like a third son for a while. I found him to be very sincere and very dedicated to find the real truth about human existence. And I spent so many hours talking with him about those things. After graduating from Ambassador College in June 1952, I raised up our church in San Diego, California the first church raised up as a result of the college. Then I was sent up to Portland, Oregon to pastor the Portland Church and to raise up a new church, which I did, in the Seattle-Tacoma area. Then in March of 1953, I was brought back down to Pasadena, this time to teach Bible classes and to assist the dean and students. Also, I was able to attend the Graduate School of Theology, as we called it, under Herbert W. Armstrong. It was kind of like a seminar. We sat around with him at a big table, discussed things about the Bible, and the official subject that spring was on biblical prophecy. But Mr. Armstrong had been digressing again and again because he deeply felt that something was coming to him to understand that was vital. And he wanted to share this with all of us and discuss whether it was really true or not. Mr. Armstrong was sincere about that. He was deeply concerned about teaching something that might be wrong. So he asked us to study it in detail, to discuss it, to prove to him, if we could, that it was wrong because he did not want to teach heresy. At this point, I want to mention the subject is your ultimate destiny, as most of you know. And we have a wonderful booklet on that entitled, Your Ultimate Destiny. It explains this in great detail. I hope all of you, if you don't have one, will write in or get a second one. It won't hurt anything. This is one of the most thorough and detailed explanations of this topic that's ever been produced anywhere by anyone. Your ultimate destiny. Get this and study it. So we began in that class to study and look into this deeply. We studied on our own. I was already beginning to go into detail in my study about the epistles of Paul as I was going to teach that class the following autumn. So I looked up scriptures along that line especially. Interestingly, I found many scriptures that actually backed up and reinforced what Mr. Armstrong was beginning to realize about the ultimate purpose of human existence. Because our ultimate purpose is so awesome, even the angels are interested in it beyond what we can realize. It's a tremendous thing, brethren. Notice what God's Word says. Turn with me, if you would, brethren, back to First Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1, and beginning in verse 11, it describes how the Spirit of Christ was in the Old Testament prophets and indicating to them when He testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. He talked about here the glories that would follow after Christ's suffering, glories. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which have now been reported to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things even the angels desire to look into. Even the angelic beings want to understand what's going on with these human beings. They're made in God's image. They have understanding. They have creative imagination. God is working with them in a special way. And the angels even desire to understand this topic. When Mr. Armstrong started to explain these things to us, he started right back at the beginning, as he often did in the book of Genesis. So turn with me, if you would, back there to Genesis chapter 1. That's where it all began. Genesis chapter 1, he talks about creating the heavens and the earth. And in chapter 1 of Genesis, verse 26, he describes how man was created. Then God said in verse 26, and the word here for God was Elohim, meaning more than one, a plurality, not one person, more than one. Elohim said, Let us make man in our image according to our. Notice, not my image, not just God the Father, but this was God and the one we call Christ today. He was the Word, as John chapter 1, verse 1 explains. The Word, the Logos, the spokesman, who is with God from the beginning, the second being in the family of God. But God is not limited to two beings, as we will understand. Let us make man in our image. he had been describing here, each animal was created after his kind, the cow after the cow kind, the dog after the cow dog kind, and so on. Man is created after the God kind. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. So man was made from the beginning to be a ruler, to have a dominion. So God created man in his own image, verse 27, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. So God made both of us male and female in his image. Men and women have understanding, they have creative imagination, and wisdom, and knowledge, way beyond what any animal can have, because we're made in the image of God in more ways than one, male and female He created them, and then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, love each other and have lots of kids, that's what God was telling them back here, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and everything. So man was made to have dominion, rulership, from the very beginning as we were created in the image of God who is the ultimate ruler. Notice now, my brethren, if you'll turn back to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8 and beginning here in verse uh, 3. Here's King David, the man beloved of God. He said, verse 3, Psalm 83, when I consider your heavens the work of your hands, David was out under the stars night after night for thousands of hours as a young shepherd boy, all alone out there. And he thought about these very things that I thought about way back, way 3,000 years ahead of me, of course, and much deeper, I'm sure. What is man that you've ordained, uh, uh, the sun, moon, and stars that you've ordained, what is man that you have mindful of him, David asked, and the son of man that you visit him, you have made him a little lower. And as the experts, the Hebrew experts tell us, this can be translated a little while lower, but a little lower than the angels. And here the word is not normally angels, is not angelos, but Elohim. Elohim is a term for God. You made him for a little while a little lower than God we made lower than God at this point. That's interesting the way that could be translated correctly. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. Potentially we have awesome glory and honor because we're made to be like God. You have made him have dominion over the works of your hands and you have put all things under his feet, all things. And that certainly can include the entire universe, which it does. All sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. O Eternal, our Lord, how excellent is your name. God's name stands for what he is, his power, his wisdom, everything he is. How excellent is God's name in all the earth. And we're made to be like God and to be full sons of God. He's put all in his plan, all things under us. Notice back in the New Testament how God explains this through the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews. Turn with me at this point, brethren, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 and beginning in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. He could have put the whole world under angels, but he didn't. But one testified in a certain place. And now he quotes the very thing I just read back in Psalm 8. What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man? you made him a little lower than the angels, and you've set him over the works of, hand, of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. In God's plan, he has put all, and the Greek expression here is ta-panta, p-a-n-t-a, all things, means the entire universe. Everything potentially is put under us human beings. We human beings think we're so great we get a spacecraft, as we call it, and here's the universe out here, way hundreds of miles, thousands of miles, millions of miles up above my hands, and we have a little little spacecraft, and here's let's say the tip of this pen is the is the world, and we get out about this far, and we have said we have conquered space. We've not conquered space. We've just started to commence to go out into outer space, but eventually. God is going to allow us to be, have complete control of everything. We will move to Mars, to Jupiter, to the furthest planet in the universe at the speed of thought. we just be there. We'll just be there as God is. It's hard to understand, but God really wants other sons. He and Christ sat down together. They had love, outflowing concern, and as any normal young married couple want, often want children and should to share their blessings, their hopes, their dreams, and so on. God wants that too. He's not made us to be like dogs and cats, some lesser beings. He's made us to be full sons and to have capacity like He is so He can share His thoughts, His plans, His rulership over the universe with us. All eventually is to be put under us. It equals all. That's what that expression means. So we do need to understand that. Now turn to John chapter 3, if you would, brethren. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And let's begin here in verse 3. John chapter 3, Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you become born again, so we've got to be born again or born anew, uh, uh, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You're not going to be in God's kingdom. It's frankly God's level of existence It's a family. You're not going to be made members of that family unless you're born again. Nicodemus said, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he crawl right back in his mother's uterus and be born again? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, we've got to be born of baptism to bury oneself to come up again to walk in newness of life and then have God's very Spirit impregnate us, impregnate us as our wife is impregnated with our sperm. God impregnates us with His sperm, frankly, as is used that very term back in 1 John chapter 3. He puts His very nature in us, just like my very nature is in my six children, and to a certain degree in my ten grandchildren. My six grandchildren, I mean. Ten grandchildren and and four great-grandchildren. Our very nature goes in our children. I say unto you, unless a man is born of water of the Spirit, he cannot enter. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's what we are now. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We are going to be spirit like God. We will be spirit beings when we're born of God. The that uh, He says, Do not marvel that I said you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You see the wind just going here and there but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. Invisible, but tremendously powerful as we see from the hurricanes and tornadoes and typhoons. So as everyone who is born of the Spirit, invisible, but powerful, we are made to be like God and we're made to be born again, born anew by the very power of God through the Holy Spirit. God's very nature being put in us, the life of God, being put in us. Notice now back in Romans, if you would, the book of Romans, and let's turn to chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, brethren, and beginning here in verse 13. He says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, which you and I have got to do, these human lusts and vanities and hate and wretchedness, We've got to put it to death if we want to become full members of God's family. We really do. It's worth it. It's worth it to overcome. It's worth it to pray, to study, to fast. So if you do the deeds of the body, you will die. But if, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for as many as are led by, not those who are first impregnated by, All of us who are converted have had God's Spirit in us, but do we use that Spirit? Do we grow spiritually? So it says, If you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by, actually led by God's Spirit, these are sons of God. So then we're begotten sons. We have Christ living His life in us. As I've said, the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. The old self is to die. Yet I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Does Christ live in you? He's got to, my brethren. He's got to live in me. We've got to become more like Christ in everything we think and say and do and reflect Christ because God wants us to be His full sons. He's not playing games. He does not want to create a bunch of potential Lucifers out there who would turn aside and stab Him in the back or go off their own way. If you and I are put in charge of Pluto or Alpha Centauri or some planet way off, he doesn't want to say, well, this is my planet. I'm going to do my thing. We will have had to grow in grace and in knowledge through Bible study, studying this book, feeding on it, constant prayer, asking God to lead us, to rebuke and chasten us, to cleanse us and purge us, and make us like he is. And if we do that and build that attitude in the very character, then God can trust us forever. That's what He wants and that's what He's beginning to do in this Christian life. So He tells us here that we've got to have His Spirit live in us. Then we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, verse 17, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, and we do have to go through suffering to show God we mean it, we've got to overcome, we suffer with Him that we may be glorified Wow, when you understand that glory, it's awesome that we may be glorified together, not some separate glory, but together with Christ, sharing His glory, not some lesser glory. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, I know you have trials and tests. I've had all kinds of trials and tests. I lost my wife Margie about 39 years ago at a terrible time. Left me shaken for months. Then recently, as you know, I lost my beautiful wife, Cheryl, and I still hurt from that. But I go on. We will go on to the end. We must never give up. We must never turn aside. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory, the magnificent glory that will be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Even the creation is groaning and travailing. The trees are dying. The the seas are filled with pollution. Animals are suffering. Mankind is suffering. Out in California, the mountains, the beautiful mountains they used to climb out there are burning. It's so terrible. The drought and the famine is beginning to set in various parts of this world more than ever before. And it's going to get worse. That's not because of Al Gore's predictions. That's because God Almighty said that years ago, millenniums ago. He is God. He's beginning to intervene in human affairs just as He said. And this nation, the blessings we've had because of Abraham's obedience are going to come down. They're going to be taken away. And the creation is crying out and waiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God when we are made glorified as God is glorified. So then we turn down to verse 28. He says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to His purpose. Are we called according to His purpose? We really are. I hope you understand our calling. For whom He knew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, were to be lust just like Christ, that He, Christ, might be the firstborn. Many sons of God are going to be born like Christ, that He might be the firstborn of many brethren all his other brethren are going to be like cows and horses by comparison down here on some lower plain? My daughters and sons are the same. They're all fully human beings. We're going to be the sons and daughters of God just like Christ was the Son of God. So we might be conformed to the image of God altogether. Moreover, whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. In his plan, he has glorified us, because we are going to partake of the divine nature. Now let's turn back, if you would to first Peter, first Peter, if you would, and I'm going to turn at this point second peter, I'm sorry, second peter chapter one, second Peter, chapter one, and notice how here he's talking about how great things have been given to us by God's divine power, verse three. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called Him, called us by glory and virtue, by that power by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Some Protestants just read that, or Catholics, or people who don't know God, exceedingly great and precious promises. They just talk about going off to heaven and doing nothing. No, these promises are awesome. We partake of God's very nature. We become like God. We don't fly off to set on a cloud with nothing to do. He says, We have exceedingly powerful promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, God's very nature, the nature, the character of God is placed in us by the Holy Spirit, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. So these are real promises that God has given, brethren, They are real. They must not be watered down. God does not want the world to water these things down, but Satan will try to. He'll try to deceive people into thinking there's something less than they are. No, they're awesome when you read them and really understand them. Turn now to 1 John with me. First epistle of John, just just before the book of Revelation. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. We're right now children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now are we children. Yes, we're begotten children of God. We have the Spirit of God in us to help us. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, when Christ is revealed, we shall be like Him For we shall see Him as He is. We will really be like Christ. You read in the book of Revelation how Christ's voice is like the sound of many waters, like booming thunder across the seas. Powerful, nothing like it. Christ's face shines like the sun. We will look like that. We will sound like that. We will be like that. We will be full sons of God. Wow! Think about it. We have an awesome future, brethren. We want to be worthy of it. We want to do our part to make it. We must not ever give up, ever turn aside. Notice verse 3. Beloved, notice he goes on here, and everyone who has this hope, this hope of becoming a full son of God in himself, purifies himself. Yes, we become pure. We become like God. And we have to do it with God's help, just as He is pure. It's an awesome reason to go through suffering and trials and tests. It's not nicey-nice. It's because we want to be like our Father. We want to be like God. We want to be full members of His family. We want to be holy like Christ is holy. We really want to honor our Father in heaven. We want to make it into the eternal kingdom or government of God and live forever with God. We do have an awesome future Let's really realize that and be inspired by that and do everything we possibly can to do our part that we may be there in the coming kingdom of God. Boy, as these world events speed up as the Chinese attack and, say, and take over Southeast Asia and the waters of the China Sea and Japan is getting upset, the Philippines. There's going to be an explosion out there. There are going to be several explosions, the Middle East, as we know. Things are happening. Biblical prophecy, prophetic events seem to be speeding up. It's interesting, it's fascinating, but that all is a prelude to what is going to happen, the ultimate fulfillment of God's plan when Christ comes back as King of kings and Lord of lords, and we rise to meet Him in the air, and we will be glorified as He has glorified, and all the trials and tests and suffering we've gone through will prove to be more than worth it, more than worth it when you understand. Turn now, brethren, if you would, to the book of John, again, this is the regular gospel of John, chapter 17. As some of you know, this is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. The only complete prayer of Jesus in the Bible. John 17, picking up in verse 4, I have glorified you by the, on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. So Christ said He'd finish the work that He was to do as a human being to be our Savior. And now, O Father, glorify me together with Yourself with the glory which I had with You before the world was. Christ prayed fervently that we might have that same glory that He has, that our face might shine like the sun, that our our voice might be powerful, booming across the world like roaring thunder and all that kind of thing, that we might have the power when people turn aside to say, wait up, stop that, you bad guy. Wake up, this is the way, walk you in it. We may have power to straighten people out, straighten nations out, cause the weather to work properly. Bless our city, bless our people, straighten out people, help help them to overcome, to grow, to be like God all over this earth. Jesus prayed fervently that, that we might have that same glory which I had with you before the world was. He said, glorify me together, which I have that same glory. That's the glory He had. He asked for that glory to come back again. He said in verse 9, He said, I pray for them, that is, My disciples. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom You have given Me, for they are Yours, and all Mine are Yours, and Yours are Mine, and I am glorified in them. Notice verse 10. Notice verse uh, uh, 10 here. I'm uh, uh, Verse 11, I mean. Now I am no longer in the world, Jesus said, but these are in the world, these disciples of mine, and I come to you, Holy Father. No man should claim that title as one man does, a confused individual. Holy Father, keep through your own name, the very power of the name, everything about God, keep through your own name, those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are one not some lesser oneship, but that total oneship to be full sons of God. Notice down in verse 20 now. I do not pray for these alone, that is, for his own disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We're believing in Christ through their word. This is that word. We believe that. We've got to study this book, brethren. Study it. Pray over it constantly. Ask God for deep understanding that we might share in that same glory. Beseech God with all of our heart. I pray for those who believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in them that we may all be one as we are. That uh, that they may all be one as we are. That the world may believe that you sent me. Notice verse 22. It's powerful. And the glory. Notice carefully the wording of this. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, God has given us, who believe because of the words that we read in the Bible, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Not some lesser glory, that same magnificent glory. Christ personally prayed that we might share in the same glory that He now has as full sons of God. As I've said, my sons are not some lesser beings. They're fully human as I am human. We're to become fully divine as God is divine. God wants to share His family. He wants to share His powers. He wants to share opportunities for service for us with Christ and with the Father. He wants us to be full members of His family. Brethren, again, please call or write if you don't have it. Get an extra copy if you want one. This powerful booklet your ultimate destiny explains even more details than I can in this sermon. I've tried to cover every aspect of this in this booklet. Your ultimate destiny, it's wonderful. Study it. Study the booklet. You'll find it fascinating if you really study it with an open look at it as a new thing. There is the mineral kingdom, brethren. There's the plant kingdom above that. There's the human kingdom and above all is the kingdom of God. That was Christ's message the coming kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is the family of God. Just as Abraham's family grew great, then Isaac, then Jacob's family, Israel, became the whole nation of Israel, 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. The family of God grows great. It takes over the whole universe. The family of God is the kingdom of God. It's the very family of God into which you and I may soon be born. So very few really understand this awesome truth. We are called to be God's full sons, not lesser sons, full sons. May God help you and me and all of us to move forward with faith and courage. Let us walk with God, commune with God, and continually learn to think like He thinks, act like He acts, and finally be like He is. Brethren, let us get up every morning. Please, brethren, think about this. Learn to get up each morning. If you could play near a window, look out if you would at the outside the window and look at God in the sense up in the sky and picture Him and Christ sitting at God's right hand and say, Father in heaven, thank you for my life. Thank you for creating this beautiful earth and the vast universe. Thank you for making all of us human beings in your image to become like you are. Thank you for this. Please be with us. Teach us, train us. Fashion, and mold us. Rebuke and chasten us. You do every son you love. Clean us up and scrub us out. Help us to be like you are. To honor you in everything we think and say and do. Ask God to do that and mean it, brethren. And then this church will reflect Christ more. We'll have great faith in God because we will know and know that we know God. and We will move forward with greater power than ever. Pray that prayer. Ask God to be with us, to guide us. And thank Him for helping us, for teaching us, for His patience in working with us, for fashioning us, for molding us, for making us in so many ways like He is that we may be His full sons and live with Him and live with Jesus forever in the very kingdom, in the very government of God. So, brethren, let's go all out to fulfill the very purpose for which we were born. There's no greater purpose, no greater truth than this. Wow! We have this because God used a man... Herbert W. Armstrong, way back when, to reveal the final, the meaning of the final holy day, which we heard about this morning, the last great day. Other churches of the world, they don't understand that. And only the churches who were taught by Mr. Armstrong understand that. The same thing here. I was blessed to be there when God began to reveal that to him. The ultimate purpose of human existence. Why were you born? You were born to become a full member of the family of God so we can thank God that we are part of the church and that those of us were taught by Mr. Armstrong can't understand that. Many churches try to play him down and kind of neglect him. We must not do that, but most of all, we must worship the God about which he taught us and worship Christ who's sitting at God's right hand. Our elder brother, our high priest, our coming king is real, very real. The kingdom is coming soon. So, brethren, go home in faith and confidence Our Father has an often purpose for each and every one of us, all of us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So God bless you and protect you and your loved ones as you go home. Let's all pray for each other, help each other, and move forward as best we can to do the work. Have your heart in this work. That's the main activity God wants to participate in now. We learn to grow and to serve by being part of the very work that Christ is doing. He said, my food is to do God's will and do His work. Let that be our focus to get this message to the whole world and share it with others. Let's get his message out and serve our God with all our heart and all our might, and walk with God, talk with God, commune with God, and grow in grace and in knowledge of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may be full members of God, full sons of God, as Christ is. May God be with you, brethren, Let's all pray for one another continually and move forward in the work and the way of Almighty God.